0: You are, you are now tuned in, in, to, the in to the December 26er, December 26er podcast, podcast, where we, where encourage, we encourage you, you to, be to be extraordinary on an ordinary, on an ordinary day. day.
1: What's up, 26er family? Welcome to another episode of the December 26th podcast. I am your host, Delisha, and this episode features Avery Sunshine. Avery is a singer, composer, and classically trained pianist who melds soul, gospel, jazz, and R&B into her signature sound. She also happens to be one of my favorite artists on the planet. So you can imagine my excitement over having her on the show and exploring her journey as an independent artist who has worked everywhere from Broadway to the Democratic National Convention. But if you know anything about the December 26th podcast, you know we did not just jump right into that. In part one of our conversation, we get into Avery's upbringing in Chester, Pennsylvania. She grew up as the youngest child in a blended family and the only child her parents had together. Avery's mother and father worked hard to meet not only her needs, but also her wants. They invested in her interests and sent her to private school. It was there that Avery established the importance of seeing her Blackness as sacred something she has worked to hold on to while navigating an industry run primarily by people who don't look like her. Like many, Avery has used the past year as a time for self-reflection, taking stock of how she shows up in the world as a Black woman, mother, wife, and boss. Needless to say, we had a lot to chat about in the first half of this interview. So make sure you come back for part two, where we'll delve deeper into her artistry. But until then, please enjoy. Avery, welcome to the December 26th podcast. How are you? I am absolutely freaking amazing. See, I knew you were going to come in like radiating light and joy and that's, all those great things.
0: I mean, that's what we do, right? Why Why even exist if at some point you can't even, not even for other people, if you can't make yourself feel good, you know, there's so much stuff to pull. So why not wake up? Good morning. How are you? I had an auntie. Aunt Lucille every time you see Aunt Lucille she's got a funny quip or something sweet say Aunt Lucille, how you doing today? Hey too stressed to be black I mean, and she'd just be saying something like huh, I can't take it dude. what what she always had something and it's like, are you always like that and um I think she she is i uh, she's almost 86, 80, 86 years old wow and still saying the same thing still still saying you know i I, I you know I feel good I look good I mean, it just I think that we are that which we speak even when your body is feeling like, and I think it's okay to, to, to acknowledge when you're not feeling great, but I also think there is a a, a piece of us the, that needs to always speak life, right? Always speak mm-hmm. light and help. And it helps us not to take stuff so seriously because most of the stuff that is painful
1: and hard and stuff is temporary. Yep. It's I knew you were going to jump right in. I, I I knew it.
0: I didn't see. Did I not even let, you know what?
1: But that's how we do. This is why we always say there's no agenda on the December 26th podcast. Yeah. We just let go, let flow. I told you what two questions you can count on. The listeners who join us every week, they know. Yeah. Uh, but we let people flow. We let people just kind of move and say what's on their heart. So it's cool. But
0: Delisha, to, to, when you tell somebody about December 26th or when you, the way you described what it is to me i i i almost popped because i felt like you're speaking my story you're saying mm. exactly what it is as soon as that thing goes you know for lack of a better way to describe it as soon as the baby's born pop okay now what mhm okay now now what happens like you said as soon as i i actually don't take uh, my Christmas lights down for 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 weeks and weeks and weeks for that very reason, because I don't want
1: December 26 to ever come. Right? So you speak my language. You speak our language.
0: Yes, you you, you get it. So I, I visualized that 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 sinking that I'd feel after something that I've looked forward to right? I've looked forward to the birth. I've looked forward to Christmas. I've looked forward to the release of my my makeup. I've looked forward to my wedding. And then after that, now what? Mm -hmm. What am I supposed to do now? And um, it, it speaks to me because that's exactly where I was before I started working on this next, this album that we're working on now. I was, I mean, months and months and months of just like, Every day was December 26th.
1: Every and day. you know, people who follow you may be surprised to hear that because you radiate, you know. Now, granted, I've only seen you in performance mode. And I consider interviews performance mode too, because you have to be on, right? Yeah. So I've only seen you there, but you are consistently the same on the stage in interviews, on social media. And I'm like, she always up, right? So people may. <laughs> at this, Crazy now that they know your albums, especially that first one, they know the real story, but yeah. um that you you know you don't been through some stuff as well. Um, yeah. but they may not realize that you you have the valley moment as well.
0: Oh, I had a valley moment last night. I was me and my husband had a valley moment on a live, not on the live though. Do you understand what I'm trying to say to you? And it was you you have those moments to me that happen in your the, those valley moments. I they don't just come because there's transition happening and change happening, but it I, it comes to just say hey, okay, wake up. You got to do something a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Okay, doesn't mean the world is over, you know. But you got to do something different. And you know, maybe you weren't paying attention. Maybe you weren't listening. And My my husband, who is my my best friend, clearly, um, things get weird with the business when you're married Mm -hmm. and and the wife who is supposedly the one who is whatever you say, whatever you like, all of that. And I and and I'm not calling it. I shouldn't say that because I do. I he gets some of that very much balanced though. It ain't, you know, but I do, I do make his plate. I like making his plate. Not because somebody told me I need to do that, but I do that. If he wants to sleep, I'll go get his slippers. I'll do that shit. I, I love it. It's fine. But when I'm entertaining, I'm the motherf***er boss. hmm And it's very hard to, it's very hard. And I won't even just say my husband. It's very hard to deal with men when you are the boss without, and, and learning that we are emotional. We are just naturally emotional, right? So when we speak, we're emotional. We, there's no way for us to be emotionless when we're talking. And But the very thing that, you know, is requ- kind of required of you is that you are, um, that you remove emotion from your conversation when you're dealing with men or when you're handling business and where, you know what I mean? It's, and I'm tired of kind of being told, you know, I can't hear you because you're too emotional. Th- then Then I'll write it for your ass but I I can't not be who I am. I am tired of squashing myself into this little place to make you feel comfortable and make the information more palatable for you,
1: man. Uh, You don't, you jumped like 17 segments down. You like on my question number 15, but it's okay. See, You (laughs) see, I was fired up. You were fired up. You were fired up from yesterday. And that is, that is okay. That is okay. But Delisha,
0: we have to talk about those things, especially as women. Mm-hmm. Not not, you know, it, it, it expressing yourself fully because you're trying to make space for somebody else, mm-hmm. and finding that balance is really hard in relationships.
1: Really and you hard. know, you you brought that up, and that is a conversation. That that happens a lot on with women on this show because yeah. it's just the by virtue of the kinds of women that we interview, yeah. many of them have a hard time in relationships because of yeah. what they exude in the world and trying to strike that balance. But before I, I get into all of that, we're gonna oh, do a sorry. proper intro for you. You already said you were <laughs> a boss, okay? It's not as horrible. Let, let's let's see what we want to add to that. So who is Avery Sunshine? I hate that question, Delisha.
0: And so I, hate I, I, I warned
1: you in advance.
0: I know. And I didn't want I wanted to surprise you because I was going to say that. I didn't want you to be like, oh, no, I want you to still ask it so I could still say I hate that question.
1: So you're going to shade my question on my own show? No, uh, you know, I'm not going to do that. Don't do
0: that. Don't do that. No, but it's only because people I'm saying that to you because I think. I get it when you ask it. I've been asked that so many times by people who are lazy interviewers. Mm-hmm. So they have they they don't they haven't done any they have no idea what I do. They're like, oh, you're you're seamstress, and then they ask, you know what I mean, because they have no idea. Yeah. But you know me, you yes. know my work. You know what I mean? So I can say that to you and and hopefully you understand what when I say it's because. It's hard for
1: me to answer. Yeah, let let me let you in on a little secret. Most people hate the question, but we still ask it. And I'll tell you why we ask it. Let me tell you why we ask this question. Because we do long form interviews, right? It's not 12, 13 minutes. Thanks for coming. Goodbye, right? Um, So I find that the things that people mention in answering that question, at least one of those things is going to be something that they feel really comfortable talking about.
0: Because you're an interviewer. You can ask that. I'm sorry. I just had to say that.
1: All right. So you're dodging the actual question, though. No, so. I'll say it. I am. I'm a mom. Mm-hmm. I am.
0: I'm a wife. I am a singer. I am. I am a dreamer. Uh, I am kind of hood. I like that. I like I. I am someone who who loves her roots, uh, figurative and literal. Um, I am sometimes afraid.
1: Yeah. So this is, this is definitely a two-parter because there's so much to, to unpack there. Um, but I, I, I'm going to jump ahead a little bit because we started on Relating to men and, and yeah. who you are in the world and all that great stuff. So, wife, mom, we're not calling it a a, a singer. You are a brand, right? You, it's much more than just what you do amazingly well that we we know about, right? Um, so talk about what that balance of those three roles—wife, mom—because no matter how old you kid, your kids are, right? There's there's still an active role that you play in their lives. So. Wife, mom, singer, slash brand. What does that look like for you, particularly now being home for you know almost a year?
0: Nuts. Crazy. I told you I was drinking every day. I had to mm-hmm. say, okay, okay. I can't find any more rolls on my body. I've had enough. Well <laughs> so I'm gonna stop drinking because I can I'm on, I wasn't even a drinker, but 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 COVID just I was just thrust into a drink every day or two. Um it was, I will say this those things to this I think when we talked before I may have mentioned the you know the the phrase collateral beauty mm-hmm. I'm looking at all of this stuff that happens that is seemingly tragic or not seemingly is tragic traumatic but we if we find ourselves and I found myself I feel I did not know who I was or I'll say I'm on a better path of knowing exactly who I am because of quarantine, Mm. who I am as a a, a human being first, then a woman. Um, And and I say that, excuse me, it's so cold. I know y'all say it's not cold. It's so cold in Atlanta. I got to keep my nose is running. I got the fireplace on. It's cold here. It's all good. We're family. Go ahead. (laughs) Um, I... Having to deal with yourself, having to sit with yourself. There's only so much TV you can watch. There's only so much. And you have to deal with stuff that you didn't have to deal with when you were on the road. Stuff Mm -hmm. I didn't have to, you know. um, Now, I was always parenting, clearly. But having to sit and look in my son's face and hear him say to me, so look, mom, I, I need to see my girlfriend right now. It's like, so look, so, sir. We're in COVID. There's a pandemic going on. You can't see her. And then he says to me, if I don't see her, it's it's mom, it's life or death. Oh, OK. I don't I don't know what to do with that, sir. So if I'm on the road, delicia, I can say, look, mommy's getting ready to do a show right now. I'm going to call you later. And I my intention is to not not call my son later. But in having to do that, sometimes stuff just dissipates, right? Mm hmm. When you're home, nothing's, you're right here. He's waiting for me to give him an answer. He's waiting for me to deal with it. I have to deal with it, manage it. And um, in in having to manage and not just that relationship, but all of my work, everything is waiting for you to deal with it. There is no escape. There is no, "Ah, I got to hop on an airplane, so I don't have a connection. I can't deal with that right now. There's nothing else to get in the way of you managing things. So oh, I have learned to, to, to deal with things straight on.
1: Just straight, And, on. and that's, yeah. that's something that we've been talking a lot about to Marcus and I, both on the show and off. And that what I've discovered um, is that a lot of us were busy yeah. and productive, but we weren't really happy. No, no. It was yeah. just all this stuff, taking up room, taking up space, yes. but you strip all that away and you realize that people don't have genuine joy.
0: Absolutely. We we let not just not knowing other people. I don't know me. I don't know what I want Mm -hmm. tomorrow. I I, at some point I'm going to post, um, you know, how are you loving you? And we get so caught up in who, who, who's going to love me for Valentine's Valentine's day. (laughs) You know, I I mean, for real, it's both and I I get it. I get it. But I, I mean, I, 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 less emphasis on all of that pageantry, right? Let's talk about how do you love you. Forget the love between two. How you? How do you do that? And 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 so I was last week. I was talk. I was on an, a, a a a call with one of my good friends. She actually married my husband and I, and. She was posing these questions to a group of ladies. And one of the questions was, uh, stop be, stop doing and start being, right? And then she said another one. And I, these they're great questions. And she does uh, ask another question. She says, um, ask your soul what your soul wants, right? It's like, this is good stuff. But on that call, one of her mentors was on. And her mentor said, um, those are great questions. But she said, but can I ask you this? Some of us have not had the luxury of being able to ask ourselves what our souls want. Mm. We have not been afforded the luxury of being and not doing. As Black folks, as Black women, we have not had the opportunity. There has been no space for me to even consider that I should talk to my soul at all. hmm That I should talk to myself. That I should get. That's why self care. Everybody's talking about self care. It's like feels like it's just like okay, okay. But it's a real thing because we have not had the luxury, and and not by our choosing. I'd say most of the time we've been thrust into a a a world where we have to figure out how to survive. Right. Know how to live. So I don't. So when somebody tells me, you know, how dare how dare I say I'm going to ask the question? How do you love you? It's like. I don't even know Delicia we don't know how to love ours. I, I no, I'm learning how to love myself. Because I didn't know. And I, I, my mother, you know, I don't think she didn't it was not a part of my 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 learning to 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 know how to love me we don't have time for that. You, you listen, you black, you're a black woman. You got to do this. You got to do that. You got to think about where you're going to college. You got to meet a nice man. You got to, you know, no, 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 You should do it like this. You know, what's your career going to be? Yeah. You should do that. You should, you know, yeah, and you're black and you black in, in, in this white world. And so nobody ever says though, how is your heart? How do you feel? What do you want? Mm-hmm. We never, we have not had the luxury. So you get, I'm 40s, I'm almost 46 And I'm just now in a space where I'm asking myself, you know, what is it? What do you want aside of the children, aside of the work, aside of my husband? What do you want? And in facing the the, the painful truth that I don't sometimes I don't know. Mm
1: -hmm. I don't know. And, you know, I I always think about we talk about those things within the context of romantic relationships. Like if I don't if you don't know how to love yourself, how can somebody else love you? And I take it a step further in that if you don't know how to love yourself, how can you negotiate for your best interest out in the world? Mm -hmm. How can you make sure you're getting your just due? Right. Mm-hmm. And that's why you run into situations where people are getting adulation and they're doing amazing things like you. But there's an emptiness inside and they're like, I, I don't even feel good about this anymore. Right. Yeah. And, and because there's never been that alignment with my needs are being met, my soul is being fed and then I'm radiating from a full cup. Most yeah. of us are radiating from a place of survival and emptiness. Yes. We yes. just played a role so well because we've been conditioned and socialized to do that, particularly exactly. as black women. Exactly. Exactly.
0: So we take it. It's like, yes. okay, no, 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 I'm good. I'm good. Don't worry about it. Or we, we apologize. Oh no, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, I'm not. I'm going to start part of me loving myself. Delicia, is starting to, is, is removing. I am sorry from, from my, it, just taking it out. No, I, I, I've, I've been conditioned to do that because I've been in spaces where you you you're too loud. You're too much. You're too, so, oh no, I'm sorry. Making myself small. No, I'm not making myself small. If I want to say shit, I'm gonna say shit. <laughs> with that face. With that face. You you hear me? And 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 it be okay. And if I'm not going to diminish me, and this is part of me learning to love myself, I'm not diminishing my light and my shine cuz it's too much for you. It's too bright for you. Get some goddamn sunglasses then. Mhm. Be blessed.
1: So, let but let's talk. You mentioned your mom. Let's talk mm-hmm. about your upbringing a little bit because mm-hmm. You know you have all this talent, so obviously that's been nurtured and conditioned for a long, long, long time. I know a lot about you. I'm not gonna lie. Um, so no, you are. You are not a Philly native. You are a Chester. It's an right. important distinction, Chester, Pennsylvania. That's right. So talk to me about your childhood. What was that like? My
0: parents both worked for Scott Paper Company, which was in Chester, Pennsylvania, and so my father made. My father made paper towels and toilet paper. And my mother, so he worked in the plant. My mother, uh, she was a secretary and she was an entrepreneur, beauty uh, beauty salon owner and beautician. And uh, uh, she sold beauty supplies. She had Ruth White's beauty and barber supplies. Um, I lived on a, a, one of the main thoroughfares in Chester, was 7th and Highland. So the SEPTA bus was always coming past our house. And of course, we didn't have driveways or anything. You parked on the street, mm-hmm. um, had a tiny little backyard, four by four, you know, and then my dad managed to get a, a a gazebo. I don't know how he did that. He got a gazebo uh, in the tiny backyard. Do you hear me? And a pond. He just, my, you know, my dad was something else. Um, yeah, we had a an alley on the side of the house. I remember playing there because there was that's where you played in the city. Mm -hmm. You played on the sidewalk, Um, something I miss um, in Atlanta. There are not a lot of sidewalks, you know, ain't no sidewalks. It feels like I was I'm the baby of four. Um, My mom had two children. My father had one and then they came together and had me. So I felt like an only child. Mm -hmm. Um, And my siblings were much older. The the youngest of the older set is 10 years older than me. Mm. So I, I really was. Like an only child, Um, my parents had house parties all the time, so I was always, I was always at them because I was at the top of the stairs looking down while they downstairs dancing, and you know, so I was always at the party, you know, soaking it. My father would say, "Go on to bed and stop getting drunk off a grown folks' breath," Um, because he, you know, he'd hear me. After a while, I'd be up there giggling or something. Take your ass to bed. Um, My 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 parents were just good people. I cannot say that it was, uh, I'll say it was dysfunctional because they're human beings, Mm -hmm. but they're just good people. Mm -hmm. They're just good folks. They cussed a lot. They went to church a lot. My father drank a lot. My mother didn't drink at all. Um, They worked really, really hard to make sure that I had whatever I wanted and the needs was never a question about the needs, mm-hmm. but they worked extra hard to provide my wants. And yeah, so I, I didn't go to, I didn't go to a uh, public school, never went mm-hmm. to public school. They, I was always bused to another County or my, my father Felicia, my father was such a beautiful human he, he he was a doozy he may have been drunk all the time but he was a beautiful cute. my father would drive me excuse me he would drive one hour he would get off a third shift I mm-hmm. think to get up early in the morning sit in the kitchen and wait for me to come down get ready for school and he would drive me 50 minutes one way to school to so where Westtown, Westtown, Pennsylvania.
1: See, I I went to Penn and Philly, so I know. So you I it. know. Uh, yeah, I get it. Yes, you
0: get it. You get it. Mm-hmm. So um, I was. I went to um, then before that we would. So yeah, I go went to Westtown, and then I ended up in high school in Bryn Mawr, the country mm-hmm. school of the Sacred Heart. Um, but my father would do that every day, every day. I think my mom only took me to school a couple of times because she between working at Scott Paper and the salon, her schedule couldn't mm-hmm. do it. But my dad would do that. Um, I learned commitment from b- both of them. And even more with my mother. If you do something, if you say you're going to do something, do it. Mm-hmm. Daddy was a little different. When I said, I don't want to play the piano anymore. And I told my mother, she's like, the hell are you pre- Oh you Oh you! Oh, you playing? And I went to my dad. I was like, Dad, I can't do this anymore. I don't want to do it. He was like, you ain't got to do it. Don't worry about it. Come on, let's go. Um, my mother was so mad, Delicia. Jesus, she was, she felt I remember her feeling. Um, I get, she felt uh, uh 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 you know, like she had been in a weird way abused by me and my father by all the all the lessons she had taken me to, all the mm-hmm. prep, all the money, all the and you you mean to tell me after 10 years, you just gonna drop it and and your dad is going he's going to co-sign I, I remember just watching her deflate when he came home and said hey listen uh, cuz delete what happened he took me to the lesson and we were sitting in the car I was like dad I don't want to do this anymore he was like we you got to he pulled over.
1: And how old were you at this point?
0: I was I was 16 just getting my license something like that 16 17
1: And here's the thing like I get your mom's Thought about it, right? Because and see, you you're a country day kid. I'm a country day kid. You went later than me, but I know that environment, right? So those kids, they have drivers, they have nannies, they fence, they are equestrians. They do this, they do that, right? Their parents, they're in everything, Everything. and it's not a sacrifice for their parents, right, to put them in everything. But when you environment, it's it's it's, that's it. That's just what you do, right? But when you're not all, but most of us, when you're the a black child, and your parents want you to be enriched in that way. They oh, yeah. have sacrificed. They consider that an investment. This is not a tryout. This is not right. you just see what you're into. This is what you you're right. doing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm actually even surprised that your dad was like, "It's cool," because he was wrong. He didn't-
0: <laughs> and see, my dad- see, but but you, I, let me let you finish. Go ahead, but you, yeah, he- no, go continue. He, but daddy, daddy didn't go to my mother went to college. She understood being well-rounded, being exposed. She had moved from Florida to Chester. Daddy had only been in Chester his whole life. He went to Chester High School, went graduated from Chester High School, went to the Army, came back to Chester, moved in with his mom, and then started working at Scott Paper Company. He did not, he was not as, as, as well-traveled as my mother, you know, um, he liked nice things, but my father still was, he, his mind, his his paradigm, they, they didn't quite match up. So for you- him, he didn't see down the road like my he didn't, he didn't understand the 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 well-roundedness that that she was trying to create for her kid. He was like, You don't want to do that? You ain't gotta do that. Really, you know, even in going to college, which was really interesting. He said you I thought that my mother would be the one to say, go wherever you want. She wanted me to stay somewhere close, believe it or not. But my father mm-hmm. was, you going to college? Oh, it ain't no, I ain't been in no damn college. Girl, go wherever you want to go. And um came to Spelman. And my mother said, she she said it broke her heart that I, I'd leave, I'd go so far away from home. But I think it has something to do with what you said, Delicia, in that she had sacrificed so much. She just wanted to, I guess, keep me close and maybe watch it happen, watch all the stuff that she had poured in and sacrificed to see in real time, kind of, how is this going to, you know, did it work? Did it, mm-hmm. you know, all the sacrifices I made, is she going to be all right? You know, daddy hadn't invested in, he invested in me, but not in the same way. So mm-hmm. he was like, you want to go ahead and go on girl, go on and do it. That's very in- an interesting observation that you made that, that it it wasn't that he didn't feel the same. That was really, it's really interesting. Really interesting. But I think it has everything to do with him being, staying in the place where he was born. There is value in traveling mm-hmm. in going somewhere else and figuring things out for you.
1: But if you think about the era, his approach for a Black man of the time and a lot of Black women, standard, yes. right? You you got that good job for him. You get the military pension. You got a house. You got a family. You're doing all right. Like exactly. all well, those extra things. And a Cadillac. Right. Exactly. That's, you know, my grandparents had a Cadillac too. You know, that's it. You have made it. So yeah. I, I understand his thinking, um, yeah. but also honor his ability to say, go spread your wings. You, you want to mm-hmm. go to college, go where you want to go. But what I find interesting about your story as well is kids who go to schools like you went to can have a hard time holding on to their blackness, having a sense of identity. Um, and, You know, for you going to not only going to college, but going to an HBCU, how did you maintain that semblance of self after having gone through this private school education where we're often outnumbered?
0: Oh, outnumbered, disregarded, not Mm -hmm. just completely ignored. My music is how I was seen, though. You know what I mean? So there was this false sense of,
1: uh, you know, of inclusion. Magical Negro. I understand. Yeah, exactly.
0: So. Mm -hmm. um, and I do think that, that I learned how to, I learned how to make that switch. I would, it, it, again, my parents were so hood and, and I say that in a good way, mm-hmm. that it was, it's a, it was so much a part of me that I understood when I went into these other spaces, I don't know what to call it, but Delicia, I wouldn't grace them with my hoodness. Mm-hmm. It was sacred. So I was able to switch on and off. I know that sounds, that's what I did. Oh, hi, how you doing? That's all they got. I did, I was not, you know, I was not, I wasn't, I didn't do all the mixing. I went in and got in, got what I was supposed to get. I got the hell out. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did not think that they deserved the the grace of my of m- my culture. I know that sounds so, now I do wish I had done more in trying to or maybe not. No, it is what it is. But I, I I held on to my my the things that made me black. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what, how I was able to move through. And which is why when it was time to go to school, I knew. All right. I get it. I needed all of this stuff to get me here. So Spelman would even see
1: me. Mm. And it's I've never heard it described that way as keeping it as something sacred. Yes. That they don't deserve to see. Most people perceive that turning it on and off as hiding because you don't want to be judged or seen as less than or, or what have you.
0: Oh, I loved being me. I loved that my father fried pork chops. I love that I lived in the city and that we we lived in a shotgun house, three stories. I love that we had a little porch. I because I, I thought I thought we was balling. Right. I didn't know until I got to Spelman. <laughs> well, no, that's not true. You you know, like you said, all these equestrians moving around, they invite you to their house. For, I remember being invited to a, 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 a bar mitzvah. And I'm looking at all these folks, and I'm like, oh, that's how they get down? I thought we was rich. <laughs> nah. <laughs> and then, and they were all white folks, right? hmm Then you get to spell Freshman year. They driving up the students, freshmen are, are driving up in BMWs in Mercedes. And, and, I, and then they start talking about Martha's Vineyard. And I'm like, that's what the
1: white kid, black people do this too. They people don't I didn't know. realize that like the Whitley Gilbert, like prototype. That is real. That is real.
0: Jack and Jill, all of that, that is real. Um But I am so glad that I had the kind of parents I had that were so, they were so grounded in, in, in so steeped in their, in who they were, that it was never a question. It was never a question. Again, I honored that. I loved my, I loved it, and and like I said, it was it was very very sacred to me. Mm-hmm. What we had, and I did not think I I, I watched how uh, I watched how white people moved, and it it just never felt very very. Uh, and I and I, clearly that's a blanket. Everybody is not the same, but for me, what I saw was very plastic, mm-hmm. not, not very no connection, and it may have been something I was giving off. I don't know, but I never felt connected in that way um there were a couple of and and i and i'm able to say that because the the my my father's uh one super close white friend i called him uncle nick the other white folks i met weren't like him Mm -hmm. i i felt like i understood like oh he's cool but something's wrong with them i can't fool with them so i was never i always felt like they didn't deserve to get all of this Mm -hmm. so they they
1: didn't get it you know what I, I find interesting about this? So, um, and I don't want to spend a lot of time on my own story because this is about I you. But, no, no, no. but, but you know, I, so I went to country day for junior high. And when our headmaster retired, headmaster. he went on this tour, right? Wait, yeah. Wait a second. <laughs> headmaster. When you think about it now as an adult, right? It sounds crazy. I'm
0: sorry. So.
1: <laughs> so Continue. he he retired and they, he was on this tour, right going to mm-hmm. all these states and alums were hosting events and um you know, in his honor and alumni would come and whatever. So I hadn't seen or talked to most of these people since graduation day, but I said, you know what he's coming to New York. you know I work in the city. Uh, let me go. let me go to this this event. Mm-hmm. So I go and the the couple who hosted it, multiple generations, of the family had gone to the school. Their names are on subdivisions in multiple states. They, you know, all this stuff, right? They're yeah. builders they're developers. First thing I noticed is that when I walked in, they started apologizing that their main house uh, was being renovated. And we were in this four floor townhouse in like Tribeca. Okay. You know anything about New York, you know, with like Butler's quarters, oh, right? So that was the first thing. So I go in the back in the courtyard and it's catered. And one of my favorite teachers was actually there and that was great. Um, But what I noticed is there were people that I was in school with, that I graduated with, who served with me on student council and this and that and played soccer with me and never spoke to me. Never spoke, right? And I'm like, OK, I was the only monoracial. We had one other biracial girl in our class. I was the only monoracial black in the entire class. You know who I am. You know how I know you know who I am? Because we're friends on Facebook. OK, but anyway, so that was the first thing I noticed. And then it was like the dismissiveness. Now, I at, at this point, I've done everything they said we're supposed to do. Right. Worked Fortune 500, went to law school. I practiced law and it was still like, eh, you know, and I remember I was getting ready to leave and the patriarch of this alumni family pulled me to the side and said, you know, out of everyone here, you're going to be the most successful. And he thought that that was a compliment. It was offensive. But it's offensive because why'd you have to pull me to the side, A, eh? And, you know, when we were all talking together, you noticed what was going on. So clearly you're trying to assuage this, this dismissiveness that has happened. So I just wanted to affirm what you were talking about, about these environments and them feeling very superficial. And it's, I know a lot of black kids who don't come out intact yes. because it is an attack on your spirit. It's an attack yeah. on your psyche. It's an attack on your self-esteem, all of it. Um, So I, you know, and, and I feel like a lot of it I had to work through after. I <laughs> don't yeah. like came broken, but there are certain environments I still don't like to be in, you know, yeah. for that reason. So I get
0: it. There are times I get well. There were times that I would be overcome with whiteness, mm-hmm. so I I would be like. Other than interestingly enough, I don't feel quite the same way when I'm in Europe. I know it 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 feels a little, it's a little different. Mm-hmm. But here in the states, I I start to feel like I like the air is thicker. Mm-hmm. I can. Well, this. Oh, hi. I, I, it, 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 I don't like that. It just it, like I'm speaking to you, you saying feeling uncomfortable. I'm working through that in and, and, and now walking into the space and say, here, it's what the f- it is. God bless you. <laughs> you don't like it. Hey, you, working. I have to tell you this girl working with uh, Jennifer Holiday, who is so wonderful. Mm. He invited me to be the choral director for. Her Atlanta run of dream girls, right? So we we just know what it is. I, and I I really hate that people gave uh, Nick Cannon a hard time for talking about. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, I just but so all,
1: apparently all's well that ends well because you know he's back on wildin out, but I digress. go ahead. At any rate,
0: um we know that there are it, I don't know, so I'm not gonna speak to it, but it is is it's mainly, it's predominantly white, a white environment. So when they got the people in, on, in charge are white mm-hmm. and maybe Jennifer has some play because she was the Tony award-winning star of the show. But there was this little guy who came in, he was the boss and he was talking to everybody. Um, there were two things that happened while I was working on this, it, it, it with this, and speaking again to the environment, sometimes that is uncomfortable. And we were talking about schedules and I said, oh, he, he was talking to everybody. It, is this day going to work? Whatever. And I said, oh, no, Sunday doesn't work for me because I've got church. And I didn't need to add that, but I just did. It was, I mean, he was like, oh, I forgot this was the Bible belt. Alicia, I will never forget that. And I, and I I kicked myself because I I, I did not. There was so, I mean, you know, uh, 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 the Broadway cast. I mean, there's like 100 people in this room. And at that moment, I was like, do I want to be... Now, Jennifer has invited me. Mm -hmm. She don't know me, but she's invited me to do this gig. I got two little people at home. If I blow this, then I've blown this gig. And I got to figure out how to make some money for my kids. But I want to tell this mother in his face, don't you ever say no like that again. And I didn't. I, I just... I had, I, again, I had to think about my children and th- those are the times that I feel, you know, I feel deflated and I feel like, man, I wish I had said something. And there was another time at, we you know, trying to be cool with these folks and um, we're at the closest fast food restaurant to the rehearsal venue. And there's six of us that walk the two. And I used to hate when the, the, the white folks would come and, oh, we'll just go with you. I'm like, no, you don't have to. And they just come on and they go anyway, right? So we're standing in line. This one kid, he was like a stagehand or something. There was a cup, uh, Arby's. on there, It was Arby's. And they had faces on the cup and there were only white people. Now that was not an issue to me. I didn't, he gets his drink and he was like, this white kid, why are there no black people on here? Do you see that? Why are there no black people? I just turned and walked away. I, I didn't even, I didn't even say anything. It's like this, this, this overt unawareness, mm-hmm. aware unaware, it's it, unaware aware, unaware awareness. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's very very. It's, it's not enough. It's almost. I hate to say his name, the, the person who should not be named. They, he Trump. He would say enough, where you can't quite say. Well, he did it. Mm-hmm. But he does just enough where you know they are all now trying to. They said they need what they need witnesses for. Right. But they do just enough where, you know, but if you knock the shit out of them, or you say something, you look bad. Mm-hmm. And I always resented that, which is why those spaces always made me uncomfortable, because I did not know what one of them was going to say to me and how I was going to react. Mm-hmm. Because I didn't react two times in my two times in my life that I, I recall that I did not react and I'm at a space where I have to do that right now. So mm-hmm. I'm not really comfortable being around a lot of white people right now. I'm not, unless mm-hmm. I unless I know who they are, I'm not. If you say some sh- to me, I might pop off at your ass. I ain't saying, I mean, I might, you might just get it. Um, But it does bother me that I didn't address those, that I had those moments and I didn't address. Oh, Delisha, all the times in school that we didn't endure. I know you... Not after school, in class, on on the, the field hockey, while or, 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 or I'm playing lacrosse, or, mm-hmm. in, the, in the locker room, in the, in, in, in the uh, you know, quiet. They gave me, I, I had to sing, Oh, Danny Boy. Oh, Danny Boy? That's the goddamn solo
1: you're giving me? Oh, Danny Boy? The, there's an incident that, I don't know if I've ever talked about it publicly. Um, I was in... I think it was English or literature or something. I don't know. Cause we did, it was separate. It wasn't just English. It was like literature and language arts or whatever. I think it was language arts. And um, we had an exam. Yeah. And we took this exam and our professor comes in. I remember his name. Our teacher comes in. I will not name him on this podcast, but you know, those classes are small. It's like, you know, 15, yes. 20, you know, whatever. Yes. And he's ranting and raving about the average grade of The 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 exam, yeah. And he's like, if you guys would pay attention more, and because those kids have an entitlement, right? They they're like, my parents built the gymnasium. I'm gonna do what I want. So, Mm -hmm. if you guys would pay attention more, you would have done better on this. And he's going on. I'm not saying anything. I'm just sitting there. And he said, you know, it's it's one person who's been paying attention all marking period who got an A on this exam. You're gonna be shocked to know who did the best. And points to me. (laughs) You're gonna be shocked. As if to say, you let this little black girl beat you because you couldn't pay attention. I was mortified. How like you- you're never gonna believe this. Uh, twelve or thirteen. See, we never forget that, do we? Mm-hmm. It was etched. Never, never.
0: You're never gonna believe who. You're never gonna
1: believe who beat you out. You let her. And do he. The- and he thinks he's sending a message, not realizing that that is racist. <laughs> that is racist. So, you know, we carry these things. And I want to go back to something you said about I have two kids at home. I, don't, I can't screw this gig up because that is steeped in, and I brought you in here with these good white folks. Don't mess it up. We've been socialized yes. to believe that we can't stand up for ourselves. We can't call, we can't speak truth to power. We can't call it out because we will ruin it. Right. And what's interesting about that is I've watched white men throw whole tantrums. And I'm sure you've seen it outbursts and things on Twitter.
0: This whole Karen. <laughs> Karen is, she, that's it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's it they do that. Entitlement, right?
1: But we're always self-policing because we don't want to ruin the opportunity. And, and that is exhausting. It's abusive. It's self-abuse. And it's exhausting.
0: What you just said. So not only do we self-police with white folks, we self-police with men. Oh, you, you You hit it. You hit it on the head. So I'm going to overcorrect because I don't want to emasculate you. Mm-hmm. So there are things I'm, I'm going to give you a pass on because I don't want you to feel like I don't respect you. Mm-hmm. But what I'm doing is feeding this monster. But by, by, because you are a nice man, it still does not mean that you don't do things that are wrong sometimes and you have to be called out on it. hmm um, I, have just, it's just been brought to my attention to pay, pay attention to not over, over, over complimenting my husband. Who brought that to your attention? Very, very, very close friend. Mm. So very dear to me. And some, Delisha though, and hear me when I say it, some, sh- you have to you got to listen to, you got to take, even if at first you'd be like, oh, you saying that because your relationship is, and then you have to sit in it for a second and say, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait Wait a minute. Do I do that? And if I do, why? And I had to sit, I said, I do do that. I do do that. You know why I do that? Because I'm, uh, I, I'm, um, there's this other role that I play, not just as wife, but as boss. Mm-hmm. I know it. He knows it. It is what it is, right? For your wife to be a boss in any space, or your girlfriend boss in any space, it's kind of like it's bizarre for men, right? So I'm always trying to make it come back even by saying, "Oh, but he did this, he did that, he did this, oh, he did that, oh, he did the." It's like that's not for me to do. That's exhausting, and Mm. it's not his fault. I did it. I did it. Because I did not want to, I, I did not want to repeat what I did in my first marriage, and I, I did. I, but I, he was, he knew what I was thinking all the time. I was like, "Hell no, I ain't doing that." You said what? No, I'm doing that. I ain't doing it. Fix your own. Sh-. No, no, you're not working. I don't have to wash it. You don't work, so I mean, it was, I was, I was special. I was too. Oh, help me, Lord. Thank you, God. God delivered me. So then I get someone who is the polar opposite, someone who, uh, who I don't have to worry about money. And here, when I say that, I mean, managing money, Mm -hmm. he, he's, he takes care of me. And so I'm overcorrecting because I'm almost like, thank God you sent me somebody who's so good. He's so wonderful. He's so, oh Lord, he's so good. But his, Still stings, mm-hmm. and he still be told that. But
1: you, you big, big Dana. Uh, I've watched the interviews. I was like, man, this is the greatest man on the planet, and he probably he is, it. right? You and you mean, you mean it? it. Yes,
0: you and he it. is. Yes, but I've I've learned that I've been doing it to compensate for something that we don't have control over. Mm-hmm. It is what it is. Oprah cannot. And I, I don't liken myself to her, please no. Or or very lightly, but she can't act like she's not who she is to
1: make Stedman feel good. Right.
0: You can't. Right.
1: She can't do it. So you know what? You're at time. Oh, crap. I'm not gonna make I'm not gonna make you late. So here's what we're gonna do. Yeah. First of all, we didn't even get into how somebody goes from I don't wanna study piano anymore to majoring in piano at Spelman and then right. becoming Avery Sunshine. So we need to get into that. We need to get into how you became an independent artist. We need to get into how Dana went from your collaborator to your man, right? Yeah. yeah. And the evolution of that. There are many things to discuss, but we got to get you out of here on time because yes, you have a performance. You
0: know, you know he slid in. He was looking yes. so, I got to prepare for it. So, but,
1: yeah. You, you need to promise me that we will Schedule the part two for like next week. It can't be like six months from now.
0: Well, so look, as soon as Steph, Stephanie's actually did you? She's texting and doing stuff. We told her oh. to just take a few days, and she's still.
1: Stephanie is the greatest. So now I'm, we got to reach out to her after mm-hmm. after this is so over. I'll, I'll, I
0: will make sure that I tell her right now. Okay. You we gonna re, we gotta add the time.
1: Okay. And she'll okay. make. Sure. So I'm not even gonna do some fancy outro because this ain't over. Yeah, yeah. Okay. It ain't over. We're gonna yeah. stop here. You're wonderful. You are wonderful. I, and, and we said, did. Go ahead. You have to promise to help me figure out the
0: questions and help me do a podcast because I've already got the pictures and stuff for my podcast. I just don't know how to do one. Are I don't you like,
1: serious? That's no, easy. God, and I then you got is. you got super producer Demarcus who really makes my job a lot easier. So we'll we'll, we'll have to talk about that. Yes, okay. you got you need a Demarcus. I, it's I me yes. Okay. So listen, we are coming back for part two. Yes. Literally, it's gonna come out the next week. Don't play me, Avery.
0: I. Pro- Listen, as long as Stephanie's on it, I do whatever she puts on that calendar. Do you hear me? I yes. I'm gonna hit her now and tell her.
1: Okay. So we're gonna get into the evolution of Avery Sunshine in part two, but for right now, this has been great. Thank you for listening to the December 26er Podcast. I am your host, Delisha. This episode was produced by DeMarcus Adisa and music was provided by Thovo. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at December26er. That's December26ER.